Hi, this is Jim Yester of the Association, and you're listening to Follow Your Dreams podcast with Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast with listeners in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is Mark Dawson of the Grassroots, the celebrated band that had a string of hits in the 1960s, including Midnight Confessions, Let's Live for Today, Patient Eyes, Sooner or Later, and Wait a Million Years. We'll play a little bit of all of them later. And in the middle of this episode, as I do with all my musician guests, Mark and I are going to do a song fest. As I mentioned, we'll play some of those great hits of the grassroots, and you'll get the backstories and all of that stuff. And nobody else does this in podcasts. And also, you know, if you're a listener of this podcast, that I like to feature a song of mine in every episode, underneath the introduction and at the end. And I always try to make that song relevant somehow. And in this instance, I have featured the song this time that I wrote and recorded for the album Bobby M and the Paisley Parade. Why did I choose this? Well, I got a 60s background, and this song just screams 1960s, which is the era in which the grassroots hit it big. So I thought it worked. So Mark Dawson, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, baby. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about the grassroots and everything. And everything, exactly. I'm excited. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I went back and I took a look at the history of the grassroots, and you guys needed like a novel to capture the history of this group. I mean, it was all sorts of twists and turns and roads here and there. And you're not one of the original members, am I correct? You are, yeah. Okay, so try to go through the history of it first to tell people a little bit about how this band came into being. Well, I think most people know, uh, or if they don't know, I'll tell them now. Uh, Steve Barry and P.F. Sloan were kind of the guys, they were the producers working for the label. And I believe it was ABC Dunhill. Well, maybe they went to Dunhill later, but... Lou Adler had said, yeah, go ahead. You can bring some music in. We'll let you produce it and set him up with the label. Well, he had recorded, he being P.F. Sloan, had recorded Where Were You When I Needed You? And and he used the Wrecking Crew and himself to play in there as well. The label didn't want him. They wanted a group. So he, (laughs) he had to go find a group to replace him in order to be the grassroots. And initially, he found a group called, uh, I believe their name was the Beodins. Like, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. They did not want to change their name. And so they moved on to another group, the 13th Floor, which said, okay, we'll do it. And that became the grassroots. Now, you know, everybody knows Warren Etner, Joel Larson, Rick Kuntz. Uh, I'm not sure which drummer was first. Uh, you had Creed Bratton, also an actor from the, uh, the office. But you had Willie... Fukumoto as the singer, the original singer was Willie Fukumoto, but he joined the service two months later. So they had to replace him, which is where Rob Grill came in. 
And Rob Grill was the guy that you, you kind of think of when you think of the, the original grassroots, right? He was the singer. He was the front man of the band. Am I right? That's exactly right. And, and a lot of people think, oh, well, he's, he's the original guy. But the truth is, P.F. Sloan sang first, then Willie Fokamutu, and then Rob. Uh, Willie never, I guess, really they did some tracks with Willie, but nothing was released to my knowledge. Anyway, uh, more to your point, after the first four years or so, the band really started to make a lot of changes, taking one, one person out, bringing two in, swapping those two out, myself included, from 1971 until 2008, there were about 37 different players in <laughs> and out of the band, myself being the 37th. I'm the last guy added to the band in January of 2008. But those years, they 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 actually sent groups out on the on the like Rob Grill had the group and one day decided he's just going to send them out. He decided he wasn't going. He just said, go out and be the grassroots, you know, to the group that was there. And they had never played with any members of the grassroots. And that that caused a lot of uh a bit of a rift uh, amongst the industry, we'll say. I can imagine. You know, there there were instances where there were multiple groups with the same name that went out. Did the grassroots do that too? Well, I I don't. I, I know what you're referring to exactly. I don't know that the grassroots ever had two out there at the same time, but they certainly had two different ones that may have come back to a a venue back in the. Uh, late 70s and early 80s, there was some, uh, I don't want to call it shady, but different sort of business practices, maybe. <laughs> you know, there's so many bands out there that use the original name. Maybe they've got one member of the original group. Maybe they've got none, but they continue on because everybody loves the music. You know, you're making me remember, I saw Frankie Valley in Las Vegas. This was about 10 years ago. And Frankie Valley still had a great voice at that moment. But all the guys in his band, if you put them all together, I think they were about 20 years old collectively. Okay. <laughs> None of those guys were even born at the time that Frankie Valley had all those hits. But, you know, for most people, it doesn't make a difference. If you can play the music accurately, isn't that what they look for? You know, I think most people do. And, and I've had a lot of people uh, be very positive toward me. I've had other people be very negative. And I get it. I totally get it. You love that lineup. But the bottom line, and, and this is what Rob Grill said to me when, when he, he asked me five different times to join the band. But when I finally said yes, he said, I really believe you're the guy that can take this grassroots music to the future. It's for the fans. Those are Rob's words. And I agree with him. He just wanted... His point was, they want this the way it is. Don't change it. Don't do anything different. And honestly, why would you ruin a near perfect pop song anyway? So we get people all the time. So I love that you do it just like it was. And, you know, no sense in doing that. I, I, I don't imitate Rob when I sing, but I certainly want to capture the nuances of the song and the way the, uh, the timing of the vocal and the, the timber of the voice, things like that. I try to capture that original feeling. And I think the guys in the band certainly do. The other guys in the Roots been there uh, 40 years. Uh, Dusty's been 43 years, I think. They've been around longer than any of the original band members were. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Now, you're the lead singer at this time, am I right? 
I am the lead singer and bass player, yes. All right. So I have to say to everybody that I did have a chance to see Mark and the Grassroots. You guys were playing together with the association. And uh, I had Jim Yester from the association on this podcast. And I saw the show that the two of you did. And you guys both replicate the music just perfectly. And the audience loves it. Great. Well, thank you, Ed. And that's what we try to do. And it's it works. We love it, too. I mean... We're fans first, you know, before musicians. We are fans. Let me ask you this. What would you say the the makeup of your audience is? Is it, you know, all older people that remember it from the 60s? Or is there kind of a, you know, a group of people from the younger years up through the older years? What What's the makeup? I would say generally our audience is, if you put an average age, it probably averages 60 to 65 and yeah, most most people are in that in that range, some a few years older. However, in the last, we were really noticing it before the pandemic sort of shut everything down. We were getting a lot of thirty and thirty five year old you know couples. It's one thing if you if you show up with your parents or something, and maybe you know we have that as well. You'll see a, 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 like a husband and wife and a kid who's maybe you know twenty or something. You know, it's a, a family. But uh, the ones that come by themselves and they just say, no, man, my my grandparents or my parents used to listen to you guys. And we just always, you know, kept kept enjoying it. And there they are just singing the words. And uh, it's fun. Great thing about the music of the 60s. It's multi-generational. I mean, so many kids grew up with their parents or their grandparents listening to that music and it infused into them as well which is why the Beatles and the Stones and all the great music from the 60s has a shelf life that just goes on forever. Yeah. And, and you know, and the better, the, the, the good, the great groups, uh, they, it stands the test of time. You know, their songs, you don't listen to them and go, ah, eh, it's not so cool anymore. I mean, there's plenty of that, especially from the, uh, the late 70s and 80s. There's a lot of music that has time stamps on it. But you're right, the classic stuff, it, It stays classic forever. Well, to me, what made the 60s music so incredible was the melodies that came out, the songs, okay? These are great songs, and you could dance to them, you could sing them, you just hummed them, you remembered everything about them. So much of the music since that time didn't really have a focus on melody. It was more beat or something else. Would you agree or not? Oh, I definitely agree. Um, and there's some merit to that. If you're creating a song, disco, I mean, who cares what the words are saying? If it's a melody that you can kind of relate with and dance, that I fought disco for years. I fought it. I, I used the word hate, and I probably shouldn't, but I used the word hate toward disco. It was only 10 or 15 years later when I would break it down and go, you know, it's not horrible music. But the idea of why it was made is what made me not want to hear it. I I felt whoever was playing that was playing it to dance, not to create something. They were just playing this so you can dance. But there is something good to that. I mean, didn't Abba say you can dance, you can love, enjoying Mm. the time of your life? (laughs) Well, on the other hand, there's nothing redeeming about Disco Duck, okay? Well, 
whoever did the voice imitation, that was pretty nice. The duck sound. <laughs> it was kind of a novelty record. I kind of liked it for that reason, at least. All right. One thing I wanted to ask in particular, I know that you guys go out and do these kind of 60s cruises and the like. Tell us a little bit about that. It might be the greatest entertainment value ever. Uh, we started doing this about 2016. Uh, the first one we did was the Flower Power Cruise. And before we got on it, we heard, okay, we're on and the Guess Who is on and the Buckinghams were on and Peter New with Herman's Hermits and the Monkees and, and naming 15 top-notch acts. And I thought, how can you get that many people on this ship with all those? And sure enough, Time Warner, which is Star Vista, that's the company, not only did they pull it off and it's completely seamless. No one sees anything behind the scenes. They bring the gear to every single artist requires. No one shares. They make that happen. You know, artists want to play their type of guitar, their type of drums, their type of amps. They do it. They get, I don't know how they do it, but every artist, like, like you know, you talk about a bass amp or something. If you want that B15 Ampeg, they will bring it for you. They will have it there. So you can give your best performance. And the people on the ship are only there for one reason, to hear 60s or 70s music. There's no, there's no, there's no jazz club on the ship. You're not going to see cats in the theater because I've, I've seen that. There's, there's none of that is there. You're going to be on the ship. You're going to do one of two. Well, you're going to sleep sometimes, not much. They're going to drink a lot. Plenty of food everywhere. And the music starts at 11 in the morning and goes till 2 a.m. every day. So you're playing full sets of your music? Is that how it works? Every group plays one hour. Each show is one hour. Wherever you are on the ship, whether it's in the theater or on the main pool deck or they have a foyer room, they've got stages in probably five different spots. So they stagger it. So there may be a group playing on the top deck somewhere and then another group playing in the foyer at the same time. But they make it so don't worry if if like the grassroots are playing on the deck and um, John Lodge from the Moody Blues is playing in the theater. They'll switch it the next day so you can see who you missed. They really know what they're doing. Do you get to hang out with the other guys as well? Do you have some fun with them? You do. Uh, well, not often, but the artists have a separate place where you dine. And that's mm -hmm. kind of our place to the only place, really, where you can hang out with each other. Because when you're on the ship and it makes sense, you're you're uh, you're mingling with the guests and they're taking pictures and autographs. And it's really for them, for the guests, it's a complete excitement. It never ends. And as a musician, I wish I could be one of the guests. I have a blast on there. But you know, I got to go work, but I want to hang out with you guys. You know, <laughs> there's always people having laughs and it's just, a, it's the best. I've been on other cruises as well. The rock and romance, very equal to flower power concerts at sea, pretty equal. Although at concerts at sea, they do mix in on the, sh it's a different ship. So there you can go see cats if you, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, it sounds pretty interesting. If you want a vacation and you like the music, why not? Hi, everybody. 
This is Robert Miller, your host. In 1994, I recorded my first album called Miles Behind. It features world-class guest musicians like Randy Brecker of Blood, Sweat and Tears, Anton Figg of The David Letterman Show, Al Foster from Miles Davis's band, and Tim Reese from The Rolling Stones. I'm excited to say that this album has just been released on the internet for the first time. The 10 tracks include originals like Child's Play. Plus reimagined covers of Jimi Hendrix's Fire. Korea's Sea Journey. I'm very proud of this album. It's crossover jazz that's been called hip tight and edgy. I think that captures it. Miles Behind can be streamed on Spotify, Apple, and all the other streaming platforms. As always, I want to thank you all for listening to this podcast and to my music, and keep on rocking. Let's go to the second part of this interview, which is the Song Fest. And right now, I'm playing underneath us Midnight Confessions, which was obviously the group's biggest hit. I think it got to number five. It must have been a gold record. bit of your observations about that song first thing that comes to mind if you listen to that song it sounds like a perfect little easy pop song each piece falls into the next and that's what i thought until the day came when i was like okay i'm gonna learn it now we'll go play it that thing is twisting and turning that is one of the more complicated pop songs you could play but the cool part about it that's why it fits so well. It sounds so simple and so easy, and every part of it you can relate to. That song, I just think that's what did it. I think it, it was different, but at the same time, it's so pleasing to the ear. In fact, a lot of people don't realize it adds a beat at one point and then subtracts it later on. Who does that in a song and why? There's really no reason for it. <laughs> 
But I think that's what caught the, the ear. Now, the recording itself, uh, from a bass player's uh, angle, and you might appreciate that, if you listen to that intro, actually the whole song, it's Joe Osborne playing the bass. One of the greats. And Joe Osborne played with a way where he muted on his palm. And you can hear the muting with that pick. Because I've heard Carol Kay, and I, I think she's one of the greatest of all time. But she said, I think it was me who recorded that track. I'm here to tell you, I know her style. That is Joe Osborne, 100%. And Joe Osborne said, yeah, could have been me. He's a bit of an Alabama boy, you know. Could have been me. It was definitely him. But back then, they were churning out 10, 12 songs a day. They were just playing, you know. I know. There's so much activity. Unbelievable. All right. The thing about the grassroots music, you had a lot of horns in the in the hits. Yeah, that's the other thing. Do you replicate the horns on stage? What we do for the horns, there's a couple of ways you can do it. You could hire a sound, uh, a uh, brass section, which we have done. Um, it can get costly. What we do, and it works always, is we had we went into the studio with a horn section, recorded them digitally, meaning it's not a keyboard sample. It's actually horn players. We recorded it, and we put it to a click track. Some people might call it a MIDI track, but it's click. And our drummer controls it. For the songs that need horns, we do follow a click track. So they'll pop in when it's time. And it's... It's a clever little thing, and you're probably thinking, did anything ever crash? Yes, once in a great <laughs> while. <laughs> well, if the drummer hits that click track at the wrong moment, okay, that's going to be a little weird. It's happened. Like, you'll be you'll up to play, and all of a sudden you're like, why are the horns playing now? You can hear them. <laughs> so but then you got to just cut it, move on. All right, let's go to the next one. Let's live for today. I'm glad that we are different. We've better things to do. May others plan their future. I'm busy loving you. One, two, three, four. Sha la 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 la, live for today. Sha la 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 la, live for today. And don't worry about tomorrow. Okay, I always dug that one. Tell me a little bit about your experience with that one. The original song is called uh, Pisanga Con Me, and it's by a group called The Rokes out of Italy. And uh, according to P.F. Sloan, Phil Sloan, he said that they really liked that melody. They just they didn't know what the song was about, but they liked that they heard this song. So they contacted the songwriters and said, hey, could we use that and write English lyrics over it? And they agreed to it, and it came out as, if you listen to the original version, it sounds exactly the same. Only you can understand what they're saying because it's in it. Well, unless you know Italian. Right. Uh, so they, they did exactly the song. It just changed the words. And um, I think that the timing on that was was right because we do a lot with um, uh, Vietnam vets and we're part of a, an organization that we play uh, special shows for them. Countless times we've had vets come up to us and say, you have no idea how that song got us through. We were out in foxholes, and that was our thing, man. Live for today. It's going to happen. And it just, you know, gets you right in the heart, man, when they tell you this. 
And uh, it was a big deal to a lot of them. My, my own brother-in-law told me this. I said, I had no idea. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, that was a big song. We, they'd crank it up just to get them pumped up to do it again the next day. You know, Live for Today was a biggie. Yeah. Okay, let's do one more here. I'm going to let you choose. We got Temptation Eyes, Sooner or Later, Wait a Million Years. Which one do you want to talk about? Wait a Million Years. Tell me about that one. Well, we generally open the show with that song. Um, it's just got a ball of energy in that song. Really simple. It's basically the same chords repeated both for the, for the chorus and the verse. Once you get into the, but I wait a million, it double times. And I think it just kind of, you know, you're already in the song and it's moving along. It's, it's like 132 beats a minute. It's, it's clipping along pretty well. And then you get to the chorus. And it feels like it's going faster. It just double times the snare. Real simple little trick. But I think that's what pumped the whole song up. When you get in that chorus, you know, of course, it's, it's a song about, you know, love. I'll do anything for love. But I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the nice things about it, like you said, it's a great opening number because it gets everything going at a high level. And I always believe that's the way to come out when you're a band. You know, you want to knock the socks off of the audience right away. And that's a great song to do it, right? It absolutely is. I will tell you this, though, uh, and you've probably seen this. We don't I don't think we've ever been accused of playing loud. And, and you saw the band. I don't think we were overtly loud or anything. Once in a great while, you'll come out and we do the psychedelic intro a little bit. And then we we hit that first chord. And I've seen audience members go, with that face, and it's like, we aren't really that loud, but I think they get the illusion that you, oh, well, we're really going to slam it now. <laughs> well, some of them have 65-year-old ears, so that's maybe why it hurts them, okay? But listen, you're right. You didn't do it too loud. You did it just perfectly when I saw you. So listen, we have been speaking here with Mark Dawson of The Grassroots. Mark, it's great that you're carrying on the legacy of this band. So many great hits, and... Uh, you guys are really terrific in concert. I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, and thank you. And, and let me say this. Uh, I'm sort of, people say this as a joke, living the dream, but I, I truly am. Even when I was a kid, my top three favorite groups were the Beatles, the Guess Who, and the Grassroots. So all these years later, you get the call to be in. It's like, really? You want me? So uh I've been loving it, and uh, you, you you have to kill me to get me out of this group. <laughs> Good for you. Well, you only got two more groups to go after this one, <laughs> if, if you had a top three. That's right. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We're going to listen now to that song of mine called This Time that started off the podcast. I want to thank you all for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. 
you can connect with Robert at Robert at FollowYourDreamPodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at ProjectGrandSlam.com. I really, I really want to take you for a ride this time. I really, I really want to make you run and hide this time. My instincts all are failing. I feel like I am failing. I'm trying just to stop all the time. I really, I really want to make you mine this time. Thank you.